why don't you just pray with me, church? God, we thank you that you are a faithful father. We thank you that what you say in your word, that you keep that and that you mean that, that is something that we can hold on to. So Holy Spirit, I just pray, would you reveal your truth to us today? Reveal your word to us this morning, God, so that we can walk that out, Jesus. God, we thank you for, the, for your love. We thank you that you're here with us this morning. And God, we just pray that we walk out knowing that more and more. And with a desire that we can pass that on to other people so that others may know you and that love more and more. Teach us this morning. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 How are we doing this morning, church? Amazing. You guys can grab your seats. And, uh, we're feeling good? Yeah? Amazing. Well, hey, we are starting a brand new series uh, that is called Courageous As. Everyone say, Courageous As. Turn to the person next to you and say, Be Courageous As. Be courageous as. And um, it, it's kind of funny that when, when I saw that I was going to be speaking on this, I was, I was, my first reaction was, why am I sharing around this? Because can I be just honest, like straight off the bat? Like, I was probably going to share this a bit later on when it was like, you know, trying to flow, but I'll just be honest, like straight away. There is a lot of times where I don't feel courageous. And I don't know if you can really relate to that, but there are so many times where I feel the very opposite of being courageous, of being courageous as. But I love that we can still go to the Word of God and that God, even in the times that we don't feel courageous, in the times that we do feel afraid, that we feel scared or for anything else that we may be feeling, that God doesn't hold that against us. But in fact, He actually wants to encourage us so that we can become that little bit more courageous and a bit more like Him. And so this morning, it's my prayer, church, that you'll walk out of here, no matter if you are feeling afraid of a situation that you're going through, or if you are feeling, you know, the opposite of courageous, that you can walk out of here being encouraged and being encouraged by the Word of God. And so I think it's fitting, seeing as though we are starting a brand new series on being courageous, that we look at what the definition of courageous means. And so courageous, if you're looking at the dictionary definition, it means the mental or moral strength to venture, persevere and withstand danger, fear or difficulty, right? The mental or moral strength to venture, persevere and withstand danger, fear or difficulty. And so why are people courageous? That was a question that I kind of had coming into this morning, is that why are people courageous? And usually people show acts of courage or they are courageous because there's something on the other side of that courageous act that's of value or importance. Something that overcomes hardship so that it is worth it. And I've gone through different, you know, different things in my life where I've kind of had to be courageous to then actually get something that was almost of value or something that was of importance, right? One time my family went shark cage diving and 
I'm not going to lie, even though I grew up around the ocean, even though I grew up like always swimming in, at beaches and stuff like that, when you're out and you can't see the bottom of the bottom of the ocean anymore and suddenly there's like these big like apex predators coming out and just like appearing out of the middle of nowhere, that was pretty scary. Yet, you know, I was like, hey, well, I'm in this cage. I'm just going to do it anyway. And so I got like this adrenaline rush. That, that little part, that was a bit of a, an adrenaline rush. There was another time where I had played my first game of footy for years. So I grew up playing like Kick, and then it had been years and years since I was playing footy. And so I was a little bit scared coming into that game because I hadn't played in a while. I knew that I'd be playing against some pretty big dudes. And so I just decided on the bus there, I was just like trying to psych myself up and pump myself up to try and be courageous so I could, you know, win the ball and, uh, you know, kick goals and stuff like that. And so I was, you know, listening to this, I won't say what song because I'm low-key, like, it's a bit funny, but it was a song by Toby Mac, if you know Toby Mac. Um, And so I was, like, pumping myself up, trying to just be courageous, trying to feel courageous so that I could go out and play well. And so why are people courageous, right? There's many different things that we can be courageous for and it could be for something as silly as just playing a good game of footy or it could be for something that's a little bit more serious right maybe you need to show some courage and you know you want to ask someone out on a date and so you muster up some strength and you got to show that you know trying to build up that courage to actually ask that particular person to go out with you maybe it's you know you need to be someone's like courageous to actually help someone else and that you actually need to put yourself in a position of danger so that someone else can actually be helped. You know, when I was thinking of that, my mind goes to Hacksaw Ridge, if you've seen the movie, based on the true story of the man during the war who went out without any weapons, yet he would go out into the middle of the battlefield to actually rescue and bring back wounded soldiers who were injured in combat back to the safety of their, their like territory. It could be to maybe an act of courageousness, could be to stand up for what you believe in, even when everyone else is against it. That could be an act of courage. See, what, what I'm trying to get at is that being courageous takes many different forms. There's no, even though there is a definition of the word, really when we act that out, when we are actually then coming to act out what courage looks like, that can take on many different forms. But they're considered courageous because there's an element of hardship that's had to be faced. And so this morning, to kick off our Courageous As series, we're going to be looking at two guys called Caleb and Joshua. And I know Pastor Tash said to just pick one character, but for me in this situation, they are kind of... a a combo package, you, like for this context, you've got to kind of have them together. So we're going to be looking at um, Caleb and Joshua. But I just want to rewind a little bit and just provide a bit of context because we don't want to be reading the Bible out of context. And so basically the situation for, for Caleb and Joshua is that the Israelites, you know, the, the nation that is God's people, they are on the edge of their promised land. And so for back in the time, there was a guy called Abraham, and this was hundreds and hundreds of years before this moment. But there was a guy called Abraham, and God spoke to Abraham, 
and gave him a promise. And he said that one day your descendants are going to become a nation. And that those descendants and that nation, they will actually inherit the land that you are at. That they are actually going to have their own land. And so there was a bit of a, a process though, and a, and a bit of a journey that the Israelites then actually had to go through. And so you fast forward generations down the track, and that Abraham's descendants, they did become a nation, but instead of having their own land, they were in slavery. And so they were in the land of Egypt to the Egyptians, and they were slaves to the Egyptians. And so instead of having their own land, they were slaves for 430 years. But then they were finally delivered out of slavery, and they started going towards the promised land. But as they were wandering in the wilderness, going towards, making their way towards the promised land that God had, had promised them, that people began to complain about how tough it was. And they wanted to go back to Egypt. And so then they headed towards Mount Sinai, which is the place where they encountered the presence of God. And that, that was an incredible moment for them. But then they continued on their way through the wilderness to go to the promised land. And, you know, they started complaining again. They, they, they complained about the food that they had, that they were sick of, like, eating this stuff called manna, which is almost like a bread kind of stuff. And so they got sick of the food. They got sick of their leaders. They got sick and tired of all this kind of stuff. And so God, like, sent these different plagues, and God sent, like, you know, a flock of quails just out of the blue, and he sent all this stuff. And so the people had this big journey, like, everyone's tired, everyone's complaining, everyone's, like, in this just mindset of just, like, when are we actually going to make it to the promised land? But then after everything that they go through, after famine, after drought, after slavery, after plagues, after fire, after everything, they are finally on the edge of their promised land. They are, it's no longer something that they're imagining. It's actually become a reality now. And I just want everyone here this morning to just kind of try and put yourself in their shoes just for a moment. Just try and think and feel what they were thinking. That it wasn't an imagination thing. It wasn't something that was far off in the distance anymore. That it was actually becoming reality. And see, like, I, I have a dream to one day own my own house. And right now, that's just a dream. That's just something that I'm imagining. That's something that I can like close my eyes and I can picture and I can think of and I can try and you know decorate it in my mind. I can try and think of where the paintings are going to go and where the rug is going to go and where the couches are going to go. But that is still a far off thing. That's still a far, that's something that is like not really in the picture right now. But I know that there will then one day be a time where I'm holding the keys to that home. And I haven't walked in there yet, but I'm holding the keys to that home. And I can only imagine the, the kind of emotions and feelings that I'll be experiencing in that moment. And so for the Israelites, it was kind of like them. They had been promised this home. They had been promised this land that they would be able to enter into one day. And then for hundreds and hundreds of years, that was a distant just like imaginative thing, right? Being in slavery, they would probably be like growing up just thinking one day God is going to give us our land. One day God is going to keep like give us the promise that he had promised us years and years ago. And so they had been waiting for their forever home for hundreds and hundreds of years. 
And now in Numbers 13, which we're about to read, they are finally on the edge of that land. They can, it's no longer just a, an imagination thing. It's no longer something in, in their heads, but it's actually becoming a reality. And so you've got to imagine how excited they would have been that they are finally there. You've got to imagine all the different emotions and feelings that they would have been going through. And so they are finally on the edge of their promised land. And so then this is where we pick up in the narrative in, in Numbers 13. And so I'm just going to read out a big chunk of script. I'm going to paraphrase the first half of this, and then we're going to read out the rest. So the Lord said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan and the land I'm giving to the Israelites. So even right there, God says, I'm giving you this land. And so Moses, who is their leader, he gets around them and he gets 12 12 men, one man from each tribe who is a a leader of that tribe. And he kind of gets them in a bit of a huddle and he's like, all right, boys, this is the plan. All right, I want you to go out into this land and I want you to give give a report back to me and the people of what the land is like. And so he gave them a few different things that they were to particularly try and observe as to what the land was like. So he said, all right, you've got to find out what the land is like. Is it productive? What kind of produce are they growing? Try and bring some of that, some crops back if you can. You've got to see how many trees there are. And then the people, with the people, are, are the, what are the people like? Are, are there a few of them or are there a lot of them? Are they great in, in size and stature or are they small? Do they seem strong or do they seem weak? And what about their towns? We want to see what their towns are like. Are there towns strong and fortified and got big walls or are they unprotected just like like you're camping and so Moses goes through and he talks to these men about all the things that they are meant to try and identify in this land and so they all go out and they go out for 40 days and they search and, and explore and explore the land and then they see all this stuff they do what they were told to do and then they come back and give a report. And so this is where we pick up in um, verse 25. And it says this, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Param. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. That's what they thought too. And as I was reading this, there was 
I have one main question that came to my mind. And it confused me a little bit and I was a bit perplexed by it. But it was this. How were the reports that they gave back to Moses so different? How were they so different? I mean, you got 12 men, 12 leaders of each tribe of the, of the country. And yet there's two vastly different reports. See, the thing is, they all, they were all went in together. They all saw the same land. They saw the pros and the cons. They all saw the same people. They saw the same giants. They saw the same towns. They saw the same trees. They saw the same land. They saw the same produce. Yet we get these two very different, almost opposing reports. One was, they are so big and powerful and we look like grasshoppers in their eyes and that's what they thought too. But then the other report was, the land we saw was good. Let's take it because the Lord is with us. Let's go into that land. See, I was thinking, how can they be in the exact same position? How can they be in the exact same situation and see the exact same things, yet the perspective on it is so vastly different. So what was the difference? How, how did Caleb and Joshua see that the land was good and that they could actually take that land? But then the other 10 men said like, the, la- the land's good, but the people there are, are, are too big. They're too strong. They're too powerful. We seem like grasshoppers. Right? What, why were they so different? Why do they see things differently? And I like how the Bible has little details in it, has little hidden details all throughout it. And even though I paraphrase that first part, but when it came to the 12 men that Moses sent into that land, he, he didn't just grab 12 men, but the Bible actually lists exactly the names of those men and which tribes they were from. And I was thinking, so what stood out from Joshua and Caleb? Why were they the only ones who actually gave a good report? Why did they have the perspective to see that, no, like, even though it looks like that they are, they are strong, that they are powerful, that it, it may be hard, but God is with us. Like, how, how, how was it different? And I found it interesting that when you look at the tribes that Caleb and um, Joshua were from, is that... Caleb was from the tribe of Judah, and Caleb, uh, sorry, and Joshua was from the tribe of Ephraim. And I'm not going to go into uh, all the little details of this because there, there is a lot. But essentially, like Judah and Ephraim were two very prominent tribes. They, they were tribes that actually were distinguished among the rest of the tribes, and they were almost the the leaders. They were almost considered the tribes of like leadership and prominence. And so each of the tribes of Israel was a son, right? They were the, son, they were the sons of Jacob. And so when Jacob was, was like, you know, at the end of his, at the end of his days in, in Genesis 49, he gave a word, he spoke a word over each of his sons. And I'm not going to read it out, but um, you can read that in Genesis 49. But it's interesting to note that Judah and Ephraim they actually received the, the words that are probably considered the greatest. They were probably considered, considered the words that were the most encouraging and the, and the most blessed. Right? They, they were words of leadership, of prosperity, of resilience, and of trusting in God. 
And it's funny how that out of that word that the father that their father had spoken over them, that those tribes then became what was spoken over them. So how did Caleb and Joshua have a different perspective to the other men? Was it because they felt no fear at all? Probably not. Was it because that they just had like, you know, like just the faith to just go out and just like do it just just because? Not sure, but like I think it's just because that they actually held on to the word that God had given them. That they had actually held on to what God had spoken over them and that they didn't forget that God was actually with them. Because faith isn't blind, right? Faith isn't blind. Like we are all human and they were human as well. And everyone has different emotions, different dreams, different fears. And so I wouldn't be surprised if when they were in that land and they saw the giants, that maybe there was a little bit of anxiousness inside. Maybe when they saw how great and how fortified and how strong the cities were, that maybe there was a little bit of, oh, like that could be difficult. Like they may have actually felt that. We don't know for sure, but we do know one thing is that they knew that God was with them. And that they were remembering that God was with them. That God had made them a promise and that he was going to keep his promise because God is faithful. And so how can we be courageous? How can we be courageous from this? Well, we can remind ourselves of who God is. See, remind yourself of who God is. Don't forget to actually remember who God is and the character of who he is and who he says he is. And we can remind ourselves of who God says we are, of who God says that we are, that we are his sons, that we are his daughters, that we are his child, the, 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 the ones that he sings about and that he rejoices over. And we can also remind ourselves of what God has promised, of what God has promised us. So where do you need to be courageous? Where do we need to be courageous? Do we need to be courageous in our family and actually be courageous in in praying and believing that no matter what our family situation looks like, that God is actually with us and to be praying God's promises over our family, to be praying over our family members? Maybe it's it's in work. Maybe we need to be courageous in, in our workplace and actually not be afraid to stand up for what we believe in. Or maybe it's just to, to not be afraid to actually start a conversation with that workmate that's been on our heart. Or to take them out to lunch and just let them know that we love them and that we care for them. Maybe we need to be courageous in our finances and in the way we trust God with our money. Maybe we need to be courageous in our prayers. And that we've just been a bit comfortable in the way that we've been praying and in the way that we've been believing and trusting in God maybe there's a difficult conversation that we need to have with someone but we can be courageous knowing that God will give us the right words to have that difficult conversation or maybe God has put something on your heart for you to do something to be able to step out into that God is calling you to to step into and where we can be courageous in, in doing that because God is with us and I think the thing that, that I've been learning a lot recently is that 
in order to be courageous that we don't have to feel courageous. Sometimes courageous is just actually just remembering that God is with me. And even though right now in my emotions and in my thoughts and in my feelings, I don't feel that, I'm going to step out and do that anyway because I know that God is with me. And right, I, I don't ever really feel all that courageous. And right now, like the big thing for, for me in that area is with youth camp. See, we have like our youth camp coming up in nine days. And for me, that is a bit of a scary thing because it's something that I'm not used to doing. It's something that I haven't actually led through before. But, and I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit scared and, I, and I'm feeling like a little bit nervous about it all. But I know that like God is with me in that and that God is going to be moving throughout that no matter how I feel, that God is still with me. And it's funny because sometimes our, the way we are feeling can actually play tricks on us and actually play lies on us. Because those 10 men who actually said, they look like grasshoppers, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And that's the way that they thought about us too. Wasn't actually true. That wasn't actually reality when you look at it. Because later on in, in Joshua, Joshua chapter, chapter 2, we see that some more spies are then sent out to go back into the land. And they meet with this woman called Rahab. And Rahab was a woman there. And she said this to the, to the spies. She said, I know that the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in this land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. You see, the spies who went into that land, they were afraid of their enemy. But what they didn't realize is that their enemy was actually afraid of them. Their enemy was actually afraid of them. And so for anyone right now who is in a situation where maybe you're feeling a bit afraid, you're feeling a bit nervous, and you're feeling afraid to step into, into what you feel God is calling you to do, is that the enemy is actually scared of you. The enemy is actually scared of you because you have God with you. And when you know that God is with you, the enemy has no chance. But what he tries, what he tries to do is that He will try to take your eyes off of the fact that God is with you. And we see that from those 10 men. That they went into that land knowing that that was, that that was the promised land. Knowing that that was the land that God was going to give them. Yet their, their eyes and their perspective shifted off of this is the land that God is giving us and that He is with us. And they fixated their eyes on what looked big, what looked strong, what looked fortified. And, and it got to the point that they totally forgot that God was actually with them. They totally forgot that God hadn't left their side. That even in the times where it looked big, it looked scary, and it was. But just because it was like that didn't mean that God wasn't there with them anymore. And it kind of reminds me of my little brother and sister. 
have a little brother called Milo and a little little sister called Elkie. And when they were babies, when, whenever they just couldn't actually see my stepmom or my dad anymore, they would cry. And like they could literally be standing, they could be standing like over them and they would be fine. And then as soon as they just took one step away, they would cry because they couldn't see their parents anymore. They couldn't see, couldn't, they couldn't see their father anymore in, in, in the place where they were. But what they didn't realize is that they were only just a step away. They were still right by them and that they had actually never left them. And so the 10 men, they, they got distracted by what the physical situation looked like. Too big, too strong, we're just grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb knew that even though the people there, they were giants. And even though they were strong. And even though the cities that they were meant to be taking were fortified. And that they had walls and that they were able to be protected. That they knew that they had God with them. And that they could be courageous because they could be courageous because they weren't alone. They could be courageous because God was still with them. They could be courageous because God was actually fighting for them. If I could just have the band up. And it reminds me of that Jesus actually went through this himself. And that we, we see that in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was in so much stress, He was in so much anguish, He was in so much inner turmoil that He was sweating drops of blood. That He was asking God, if you are willing, would you take this cup from me? Because He knew what God had called Him to do. And that was to go to the cross. He knew what He was called to do. But He was in so much inner turmoil and uh, He just like did not want to do it because he knew that there would, it would be a hard thing to do. That he was asking God, would you take this cup from me? Yet despite the stress, despite the anguish, despite the inner turmoil that Jesus, our Saviour, was facing, that he was courageous in taking the cross because he knew what the Father had called him to do. And he knew that he would be with him. And so if you're afraid this morning, remind yourself of who God is that He is the rock, that he, he is the fortress of salvation. He is a strong tower that we can take refuge in. Remind yourself of who God says you are, that you are His son, you are His daughter, that He rejoices over you, that He sings songs of praise over you because He loves you. And remind yourself of what God has promised. Remind yourself of what God has promised you. And we know what God has promised us when we get into the Word of God and we see the, the promises of God and they aren't just a thing for back then, but they are for promises that we can take hold of right now and for the situations that we're going through. So the 10 men got too distracted by what it looked like, but Caleb and Joshua remained focused on who God was. They remained focused on what God had spoken over them and what He had promised them. So hold on to the Word of God and hold on to the promises that God has for your life. Can we all just stand in this, in this morning? We're about to worship. See, because God is a God who keeps His promises. God is a God who, when He says that He will do something, that He will follow through with it. 
And in His Word, it says that He will not leave us or forsake us. And so whatever it is that we're going through, whether it is a family situation, whether it is a work situation, whether it's through your finances or something that you feel on your heart that you are called to do, but you're a little bit afraid to actually step out and do it. I just want to encourage us this morning, church, that God still sees you. God hasn't left you. God's still with you. So remind yourself of who God is. Encourage yourself again of of who God has called you, of what He says of you, and remind yourself of the promises that God has over you. So as we're about to get into the time of worship, why don't we just pray? I just want to pray that, I just want to pray for, for those who are going through something right now and that they need just a, they need a word. They need a word of encouragement. They need a reminder that God is with them and that they are not alone in what they are facing. So with every eyes closed, I just want to ask if that's you, I just want to encourage you just actually, actually just during this time of worship, I just want to encourage you that just to come down to the front. There'll be leaders, there'll be pastors. We want to pray for you and encourage you in whatever situation it is that you're facing. But as we worship God, let's worship Him wholeheartedly. Let's worship Him and, and just lift Him up. So God, I just pray for every single person in this place and every single person watching online. God, I thank you that you have not left us and that you have not forsaken us, but that you are with us right now. God, whatever situation that it is that we're we're going through, whatever area in our lives that we feel like we aren't courageous in, God, I pray, would you give us a word? Would you give us some encouragement so that we can be courageous in stepping out in that, God? Don't allow us to remain in what is comfortable, but help us to go out into what you have called us to do and who you have called us to be. We thank you, Jesus, that you are a promise keeper and that you are who you say you are. In your name.